Welcome to another sermon podcast from All Souls Anglican Church, Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Thanks for joining us as we study God's Word together. These weekly sermons are part of the teaching ministry of our church. Have your Bible ready as we begin this week's sermon. And stay tuned when we finish at the end to find out more about us. Now this evening, we're at the 13th in our sermon series on the Minor Prophets, and our second in the prophet Jonah. Read God's word this evening at Jonah chapter 1, verses 3 to 17, page 774 in your pew Bible. Now last Lord's Day, we learned how the central message of the book of Jonah was not of Jonah and the great fish that swallowed him. It is on the great God who restored the runaway prophet in mercy, forgiveness, and restoration. We also learn how the book ends in a question that draws the hearer directly into the narrative. Where are you in the purposes of God? Or to put it another way, when God gives you renewing and refreshed positions for service, even though we have failed many times in the past, how are you different than you were before? And so to set Jonah's failure and the grace and mercy that God gives to him in its proper context, we did a close study of 2 Kings chapter 14, where he is mentioned in the text. And we learned that Jonah did live in dark days, that there is a deep spiritual apostasy in his country of northern Israel. Resources were depleted by a series of droughts and in continuous warfare in both the south and the north of his country, that there was idolatry, lawlessness, homelessness, and robbery. So in order for us to understand the depth of God's mercy and grace and the real spiritual failure in Jonah in his flight, we then examine the number of privileges in God's grace that Jonah had. He had the privilege of service. He was a man who had insight into the purposes of the eternal God and was commissioned by God to bring his people under the authority of his word. He had the privilege of purpose. Jonah was deeply conscious of God's plan for the redemption of souls and for the redemption, ultimately, of the world. We learned last week that when you are immersed in God's word, when you are before God continuously in prayer, you have a conscious sense of who you are and where you are going. And thirdly, we saw how he had the privilege of spiritual fellowship, that Jonah was a part of a community of young men and young women who were devoted to the word of God and were mentored by an older Elijah and Elisha. Jonah was a man rich in spiritual blessing. Yet despite his past privileges and usefulness, he is a man who slips and falls. 
So we learned this biblical principle. No past privilege or fruitfulness of service can ever substitute our present obedience under the word of God. And so this evening we continue. We come to verse 3. Jonah rose to flee from the presence of the Lord. You know, it's hard to believe that this is the same man who was the honored servant of God that possessed such privileges and blessings. But we know from our study of the scriptures that Jonah's flight from God is not atypical, but rather quite commonplace. Consider again what our first parents did in their disobedience. In Genesis 3.8 we read, And they heard the sound of the Lord God, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And here we see it again in Jonah. We turn from obedience under the word of God. We flee from the presence of God. So how and why does a turning away from God take place? Well, our text this evening gives us the answers. First, why did Jonah run? Why did he flee? Well, first we have the fact of his flight. Look at verse 3 again. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, where is Tarshish? Well, Tarshish is a Phoenician colony beyond the Straits of Gibraltar on the South Atlantic shore of what is Portugal today. In other words, Jonah ran to the edge of the known world. Now, what would drive a man to do such a thing? Because he turned away from God's word. We know this. Look at verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Now, we must be clear here, because there are times when spiritual problems arise in the believer's life because they fail to understand God's word. But when the word of the Lord came to Jonah, he did not need to go to his study to consult commentaries and lexicons. I mean, look at what he tells him. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. So his problem is not one of understanding. It's not one of intellectual problem. Now, is it? So what is it then? What's well, actually quite common among believers. Jonah's problem was a moral one. God's will and Jonah's will collided with each other. Jonah had his own plans, his own desires, his own ambitions to fulfill. He had his own idea of how things should be and how best he could serve God. So what was Jonah's idea of how things should be, how he should serve God? We find out later as he sat outside Nineveh's city's walls. You can see, you can hear the poison that's in his heart in chapter 4, verse 2. Why don't you have a look ahead to see where we're going? 
We hear here his inward heart motivation. O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you were a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Jonah's quoting from the Pentateuch, isn't he? This is God's declaration to Moses. So Jonah knew that God might pardon Nineveh. He knew from God's word that God had shown grace and mercy to Israel when they repented even in their deep sinfulness. But Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire, an enemy of Israel. Remember how Jonah suffered when he lost his home in Gath-Hefer to the kingdom of Damascus. You could imagine that he resented that suffering that he wanted to preserve his reputation amongst his own people. I mean, how would they react if they heard that Jonah was the instrument of Nineveh's preservation? You could hear the cries now of traitor, traitor to Israel. So what's going on here? It's Jonah's patriotism. Jonah's loyalty to his country and the integrity of his character that would be called into question that is receiving the pressure of God's grace and word. So imagine the deadly cocktail of his sinful resentfulness that he had in the way in which he suffered And in the way he made these virtues of patriotism and integrity and loyalty into his own idol. Jonah's Jonah's sinful resentment in his own dire straits at Gath-Hefer makes his preference for the destruction of enemies, not for their preservation, not for their rescue, And the love for his country and his good standing among family and friends is something that he wants to protect. We find this in our own hearts, don't we? When we have been wronged or hurt or feel resentment against the providences of God, the sinful heart whispers to our consciences and tells us that we should seek justice over God's grace. And we could use the virtues that people have seen in us. And instead of turning to God and pointing to him as its author, we take the credit ourselves. The second is the consequence of the first. He's turned away from God's word, and so he turns away from God's presence. Look at verse 3 again. Jonah rose to flee from where? The presence of the Lord. Now the Hebrew reads, Jonah rose to flee from the face of the Lord. And the phrase is repeated again at the end of verse 3 and again in verse 10. Now what is going on here? 
I mean, Jonah certainly knew that it was impossible to escape from God. He knew David's Psalm 139, where it says in verse 7, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? So Jonah was not fleeing from God's omnipresence. He was fleeing from his felt presence. So what does God's felt presence mean? It is in how God makes himself known to you in his means of grace. So Jonah flees from the place of prayer. He runs from the call to evangelism. He hides from the call to serving God. And he runs from spiritual fellowship among other believers. The tragic history of so many who have backslidden from God's grace can be counted again and again against the same checklist. Well, we've established how Jonah turned from God's word, and we see its bitter fruit, that prayer, worship, acts of service quickly fade away. And the rest of the story is so well known, isn't it? The ship sails west toward the Straits of Gibraltar and the mouth of the Atlantic Ocean, and God pursues Jonah through wind and storm. And at length, Jonah confessed that the storm and danger were his fault. And he's thrown overboard, cast upon God's mercy. He is spiritually adrift already, is he not? The failure of the believer to hold fast to the word of God means that he drifts away from the word and from the moorings of their entire life. And so the warnings of the epistle to the Hebrews are made real here in the life of Jonah. A disintegration takes place, and we can see it in his life. Let's examine how did he fall apart. Here we come to consider soberly the nature of Jonah's spiritual disintegration. How does this work? Remember, my dear friends, the way in which our sinful hearts will rationalize our behavior to justify our actions. It is as old as the fall of our first parents. Listen again to Genesis chapter 3, this time verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate. Do you remember the serpent's assertion? What the serpent tells her was that to eat of the tree will make one wise, knowing good and evil like God. But notice In the list in verse 6, where is that? It comes last in the woman's reasoning. 
her thoughts in her temptation begin to rationalize, to construct circumstantial rationalizations to justify her behavior. Well, the tree looked good. It was good for food. It was handsome to the eye. What harm then can there be? And so humanity fell. And the first sign of Jonah's spiritual disintegration is his misguided rationalization of his circumstances. In this case, it's in the provision of a ship for Tarshish. Jonah went to Joppa to find a ship for Tarshish. Can you imagine how many ships would set sail to the edge of the world on a daily basis, weekly basis, monthly basis, perhaps even just once a year to a far distant outpost and colony? Yet when he arrived, ah, there is the ship. He found what he wanted. Now imagine his justification. Maybe this is a sign from God. Thence quieting his conscience as God's word is doing its work. At least I can have a few weeks aboard ship with time to think. Maybe God really didn't want me to go to Nineveh. Oh, isn't it wonderful? The ship is here and I can get passage upon it. Isn't the providence of God wonderful? But we know, don't we, that this ship was not a means to escape God's clearly revealed word. It was a severe test of Jonah to bring him to his senses. So there is an important scriptural principle we must all learn here, especially in this modern age where our experience trumps everything. My dear friends, never be guided by circumstances when you refuse to be guided by God's word. Never be guided by circumstances when you refuse to be guided by God's word. Do not take the events in your daily life as your instructor. When you have not taken God's word as the lamp to your feet and the light for your path, as Psalm 119 commands us. You see, my dear friends, we have a heart to rebel against God. We will rationalize any means at hand to give us the opportunity to continue in our rebellion. Circumstances are our friends as our sinful heart weaves the wharf and weft of a sinful rebellion. The consequences for Jonah were disastrous. It is because the second sign of his disintegration is how he is ashamed of his ministry. Look at where it brings him. Remember how last week we discussed and studied the ironic parallel language between God's command to Jonah to arise and go to Nineveh and the ship's captain's call to arise and call out to his God. Well, what happened next? Jonah rubs the sleep from his eyes 
staggers on deck and is met by a flood of questions. There's a desperation to the sailors' questions because they had cast lots and it was that guy asleep down below deck who is responsible for the storm. And the lot pointed to Jonah. And they had questions. Look at those questions in verse 8. Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? Of what people are you? Now, look carefully at Jonah's answer. And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. What question does Jonah not answer? Do you see it? What is your occupation? What is your occupation? He was not able to say any longer, I am a prophet. I am a prophet of the Lord. His witness is silenced. His work is incomplete. He has no word of God to give anymore. And so he despaired of any further usefulness for what are his next words? They're in verse 12. The next time Jonah speaks, what does he say? Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. There's nothing left for him now. God has no more use for him. My dear friends, the fruit of our backsliding is we are no longer sure whether we're a child of God or not. Why is that? Because where there is no obedience, there can be no assurance. So we come to our final application. We must ask ourselves, have I turned away from God's word and from his presence? Is my spiritual disintegration already underway in my life? Do I rationalize my choices from circumstances? Or am I refreshed in God's word? Do I seek his grace? Do I hesitate to tell others that I am a believing Christian? Am I Jonah? Amen. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about us by going to our website, allsoulsnj.org. There, you can support our mission by making a one-time donation or starting a podcast member subscription by clicking the Support the Show link under the Contact Us tab. You can also support us in prayer by clicking the email newsletter tab at the top. All Souls Anglican Church. Simple church, ancient truth, real people, new life.